Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. Hello and welcome to the Engineering Leadership Podcast brought to you by ELC, the engineering leadership community. I'm Jerry Lee, founder of ELC. And I'm Patrick Gallagher, and we're your hosts. Our show shares the most critical perspectives, habits, and examples of great software engineering leaders to help evolve leadership in the tech industry. Have you ever found yourself staring at a screen, not knowing how to start an important presentation? If that's ever been you, then this episode is for you. Arquay Harris joined us at the 2022 Virtual ELC Summit to share about storytelling and the art of public speaking. She covers the foundations of a good presentation and shares tons of great storytelling structures and examples to help you craft a narrative and get your point across naturally and effectively. Arquay is the VP of Engineering at Webflow. Prior to Webflow, she held engineering leadership positions at Slack, Google, and CBS Interactive, a developer who also has a master's in design, Arquay loves the marriage of form and function. And when not working, she can be found cooking, stumbling over guitar and piano chords, or watching Seinfeld. A quick note, this was originally a presentation given at our 2022 virtual summit. Arquay in that presentation shared tons of great slides and visual elements that really enhance the storytelling structures that she shares. So I actually highly recommend that you check out the full video in our community at ELC. Dot community. It was just such a great presentation. We had to bring it to the podcast. Again, you can find the full video at elc.community. Enjoy this conversation with Arquay Harris. Hello, my name is Arquay Harris. I am the VP of Engineering at Webflow. And today I'm going to be talking to you about storytelling and the art of public speaking. First lesson right out of the gate, I think it's always good to begin your presentations with a quote from a really smart person. And the quote here is that public speaking is not just speaking in public. It's really storytelling. And I would not say that public speaking is something that I absolutely love to do, but I, I realized very early that if I wanted to advance in my career, public speaking was something that I was going to have to learn to do well. And I think as engineering leaders or, or really as leaders of any kind, um, you're called upon to do a lot of presentations. And so whether it's advocating for yourself or advocating for your team, it's something that you'll have to do quite often. And it's important to really remember that you need to practice the skill. The same way is if, if you were a musician, you'd practice your instrument. Or if you're a software developer, you practice how to code. You need to practice this as, if it is something that you want to become good at. And so today, I'm going to walk you through some story structures, and I'm going to give you some techniques for how you can excel at, at storytelling. Before I get into the story structures, let's talk about the foundation and, and what are some characteristics that uh, make a good talk. 
One of the first things that you want to do is you want to focus on the message. And what is it that you want people to walk away knowing or feeling or thinking about your presentation? And so let's say that I want to present a proposal for a new project. Um, ideally, you want the people in the room to, to leave thinking, like, this was really fantastic. Um, let's fund this. Let's, let's get them everything that they need to do this project. It was really great. I, I'm convinced, right? And so you want to start there. Start from the yes. And then you want to anticipate what would make them say no and build your message around making them say yes. So really focusing on that message is a really good foundational thing to do. The next thing is that you want to focus on the tone. I cannot stress how important it is to consider the tone. Because let's say that I'm a CEO and I have to go and I have to give a presentation about layoffs. I wouldn't go in front of the group and use humor as a tone. That would be completely inappropriate, right? Um, and so while the tone can be multiple things, it could be funny and informative, or it could be serious and factual, what's really most important is that it's appropriate for the message that you're trying to convey. And lastly, you want to focus on the audience. This might be the most important thing. If I'm talking to executives, that's very different than if I'm talking to my team or if I'm talking to my peers. And specifically, if I'm talking to executives, for example, I want to think about what are their priorities? What do they really care about? And I might even go and do a little bit of recon, particularly if it's talking in front of a group that I've never talked to before. I might ask their chief of staff because, you know, generally chief of staffs, they know everything. Um, I might say like, hey, you know, you sit in on a lot of these presentations. What do they like? Do they, do they run long normally or do the execs like to ask a lot of questions? You know, really kind of understand your audience before you go and give that presentation. Generally speaking, if these are company-wide presentations, there is an implicit order, right? Like if you're talking about OKRs or, or goals or something like that. And so if you go second, humble yourself. Go, go to your peers and say, oh, I, I know your group went first. Like, well, what was it like in there? Um, and, and likewise, if you go first, Pay it forward. You, you might want to say, oh, that, that's really spicy. Stay away from that topic or, or make sure you don't have any errors on your slides or whatever it is. Because really understanding that audience is going to be key to a successful presentation versus an unsuccessful presentation. So now that we've talked about the foundation, let's, let's really get into these different story structures. I, I often think that the hardest part about a presentation is really just the beginning. Um, many a time I'll be sitting late at night, I have to give a lot of presentations in my role, and I'll just be staring at the screen, just not really knowing what to write. I find that thinking about the narrative arc is really helpful. Let's say I want to give a talk about advocacy. If I'm listening to my earlier tips, I'm going to focus on that message. And I know that I want people to leave that talk knowing how to advocate for themselves. That would be success in my, in my book. And so then if I have that kind of narrative arc, then I just need to fill in the middle. And that's super easy, right? I'm just kidding. It's not easy. But, but at least if I have a beginning and I have an end and I know like what the inherent message is, at least that's a place to start. And so today I'm going to walk you through some of these story structures that will hopefully aid you as you begin to make these presentations. So there are many, many different ways to tell a story. And these are just some of the well-known story types. And a lot of these are used in history or media, and you've probably seen some of them before, but maybe you just didn't know what you were looking at. And so I'm gonna go through each of them in detail and talk through some examples of how to use these story types in your storytelling. The first one is the hero's journey or monomyth. 
And the idea here is that you overcome some kind of challenge, you take a journey. A really popular example of this is Lord of the Rings. So Frodo, he goes out, he finds the ring, he has a bunch of adventures, and then he ends up the hero. And what's key about the hero's journey type of story structure is that it kind of has an implied happy ending. There's challenges that you overcome, but it all works out in the end. The quintessential example of a hero's journey in popular culture is Lion King. I mean, spoiler, I, if you haven't seen The Lion King, apologies, because I'm going to ruin the movie. But um, Simba quite literally is born in the movie. He has this tragedy. His father dies. He runs away. He hooks up with Timon and Pumbaa. He realizes Scar is a bad dude, grows up, comes home. He saves the day. All right, so he's starting from this really vulnerable place, and he's able to overcome these challenges to get to this, to this current place. Imagine if you were a CEO and you had to give a talk, you could start that talk by saying, my journey from high school dropout to CEO of a Fortune 500 company was not an easy one, right? You're, you're already setting the stage of, I had to overcome these challenges, but I already told you that I'm like the CEO, so I made it. I was able to have this kind of full circle moment, right? It really draws the audience in. The next story type is the mountain. And it's similar to the hero's journey in that you overcome challenges, you start from a place of vulnerability. But the main difference between the mountain and the hero's journey, it doesn't, it doesn't always have a happy ending. Sometimes it doesn't always work out in the end. Oprah Winfrey is quoted as saying, I was born to a single mother in rural Mississippi, and my highest aspiration was to one day become a maid like my grandmother. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a maid, absolutely honorable profession, but it is, does not compare to the heights that she eventually achieved in her life. And so by starting her story, starting the speech with this really humble beginning, it builds that tension because you know the person that she eventually became. And so you really want to understand, like, how, how does one start from that place and get to this other place? Next is nested loops. And nested loops is where you take three or more narratives and you layer them and the points all relate to each other. And so often you'll use analogies to kind of explain this central concept. But the one thing that you want to keep in mind about nested loops is that it can be really confusing and difficult to follow for the audience. And so you want to really make sure that you use it in stories and presentations where it actually makes sense and is not confusing to the audience. A very, very popular and very good example of a nested loops technique is the movie Titanic. And so Titanic starts with this old lady, she's on a boat, and she throws the necklace into the ocean. <laughs> and right away, the audience is thinking, that looked like a super expensive necklace. Like, what is going on? Why did she do that, right? And then all these stories unfold. Again, I've only seen this movie one time, and it was 20 years ago. So, you know, plus or minus on the details. But, you know, there's the love story of Rose and Jack. And then um, there's the story of the actual boat itself. There's even a subplot, I think, of like a modern-day treasure hunter or something. So there's like a lot going on. But the key point is that th there's these obstacles and these lessons learned, and there's a central theme, right? So if you were to use this technique in, in, modern, in, a, in an actual presentation, you might say something like, growing up, I faced many obstacles such as X, Y, Z. I had a second grade teacher who taught me this and that. And then what I learned was X, Y, Z, right? And so the idea here is that they are coming back to the central theme. And the central theme is like the lessons that your second grade teacher taught you. And it's all nested around that idea. And so again, it's, it's not always easy to use the story structure, 
but when you have a good example, it can be really effective and sort of, you know, uh, gravitating around the central point. Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. The next one is Sparklines. And Sparklines is an incredibly emotive story structure. And it can be very, very effective because it has this call to action. It really inspires the audience. There is a now famous presentation where Steve Jobs, he unveils the iPhone. And he talks about the clunky reality of an unusable internet phone. And then he paints this picture of an ideal future, right? And then he ends the presentation by showing you the iPhone. And at this point, no one had ever seen an iPhone before. They were not familiar with the technology, but he's able to really, really create this excitement by contrasting the reality of the day with this idealistic future. And then he's like, surprise, the future is now, right? Uh, perhaps the most famous example of a Sparkland speech is Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. And in this speech, he talks about um, you know, the racism of Alabama and he contrasts that with this idealistic future. And he does that many times in the speech. And he talks about how in Alabama, um, you know, someday he, he wishes that someday black boys and black girls can join hands with little white boys and white girls as brothers and sisters. And this is a very emotional technique. And at the end of it is a call to action. And so if you were using this uh, to, to give an actual presentation, you might say something like, imagine a world where deploys only take two seconds? Or what if tests only took 30 seconds to write, right? So you're taking this undesirable thing and you're contrasting it with this idealistic future to really, really bring in that emotionality, to really get that audience hooked. They want to hear more at that point, right? In medias res. So in medias res is a very attention-getting story structure where the audience almost craves resolution to the story. And it, this is really best for short presentations because you don't want to start with this cliffhanger and then just kind of like drag it out because people will get really bored. Um, but if structured really properly, it can, it can really, really be an effective structure. Now, imagine that you were a technical person or um, and you had to go up in front of an audience, packed audience, and you go out on stage and you give this presentation and you say... I never thought that one semicolon could cause the destruction of my company. And I, I, you got me right there. I'm hooked. I'm like, what in the world happened? Was it a security issue? Semicolons are, are harmless. What happened? <laughs> like, I need to know more, right? You have instantly pulled them in because you've set up this really attention-grabbing scenario that really compels them, again, the craving to know more about what happened here because you've grabbed their attention. The next one is converging ideas. And converging ideas is where you take different strands of thinking and see how they can come together to form this really symbiotic relationship. And again, similar to some of the other story structures, this doesn't lend itself to every single type of presentation, but can really, really be compelling. So let's say I was going to tell the story of Slack. 
I might say something like, how did a philosopher, an English hacker, a CSS master, and a DB wizard come together to create one of the biggest software success stories twice, right? So again, in your mind, you're thinking, these people have nothing in common. <laughs> how did they even meet? How did they do this? Let alone, how did they do this twice? You know, it's it's really bringing together this convergence of ideas to, to tell the singular story. The next one is called False Start. And this is used a lot in, um, in, in cinema and, and in books. And it's also known as a red herring. And this is where the audience will, will have one conclusion. It seems very logical. And then it goes a completely different way. Right. And it's a way to keep the audience engaged, keep them kind of guessing. Now, imagine you're I'm giving a presentation and I come out and I say, I raised $15 million in funding. I assembled a world-class team. And after two years of hard work, launched a visually stunning video game. But this is not a story about success. This is a story about failure. Now, you might be thinking, how is that a story about failure? Like they have raised all this money. They had this great team. Everything's going great. It's really hard to fundraise. <laughs> like this sounds fantastic. But... This is actually another story about Slack, right? Like they started off making this video game and it was a failure, but they they did go on to make something successful. But again, it's a false start because the way it starts, you think it's going to end one, one way and it goes a completely different way and it's completely unexpected to the audience. Now, the last and final story structure is the pedal structure. And this is where ideas are interconnected, but they always come back to the central theme. Now, again, I cannot stress enough, this only works for certain types of stories because you can't always connect everything. And this is one thing I want to caution with all of these story types, which is it's not just the let's just like put things and see if it works. Um, you really want to be intentional and think about what you're using and what message you're trying to convey. But what's interesting about pedal structure is that you keep, you almost form this pedal shape. You make an idea and you keep coming back to the central idea. And repetition is also really prevalent in the pedal structure. And just as we saw in Sparklines, that repetition can be really effective and really drilling home your point. So let's say I were to tell a story about Webflow. I might start off just asking a question, asking it over and over, right? Like, like why is Webflow so successful? And you might say, well, was it because they had this one-of-a-kind innovation? Maybe, but lots of companies had innovation like Dreamweaver and others. But why is Webflow so successful? Is it because they had brilliant founders? Probably, but Microsoft and Google and lots of companies had brilliant founders. Why is Webflow so successful? Was it good timing? Could be, but other companies like Palm and Yahoo had good timing. And so if the audience is probably like, yeah, why is Webflow so successful? That's a good question, right? Again, you've piqued their interest. You're pulling them in. You're, you're setting the stage that you're going to kind of tell them more. And the takeaway isn't, you know, anything about those companies. It's just to, to illustrate that you're making this broader point with this pedal structure of really kind of going back to the central point in your presentation. So some key takeaways. Well, Einstein is on this slide because he's attributed with this quote, probably incorrectly because you can't believe what you read on the internet, but he's attributed with saying, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. 
And I think that this is really about framing, where when we have to do the storytelling or when we have to make these presentations, we put a lot of pressure on it, right? We put, we, we sort of like frame it through this lens that uh, makes it this daunting thing or this kind of scary thing. And so if I were to like walk over to your desk, I'm sorry, this is an old slide. If I were to walk over to your Zoom, you know, whatever it is that, that you have, and I said, please tell me what you do all day. You would probably say, well, I did this today, and then I did that yesterday. You wouldn't really have any trouble. You were just communicating an idea or explaining um, some message. And normally, I'm a pretty introverted person, not uncommon for engineers. And so if you said, Arquay, um, can you go up on that stage and talk about CSS specificity? I'd be like, oh, yeah, do, how long do I get? Do I get an hour or two hours? Like, whatever you want. I'll talk about that for a long time, right? Because it's something that I feel confident in. I love my work. I would have no problem. And so really focusing on your purpose is really a really good thing to do because it reframes it. It reframes the challenge. The second thing is find your emotions. If you think about the best talks that you ever saw, you probably don't remember verbatim what was said in the talk, but you do remember how they made you feel. You might think like that person made me really angry or that I feel really inspired or happy or that one was really funny, right? Because the best speakers really speak with sincerity. And so connecting with the audience on an emotional level is really key. And lastly, you want to focus on your composure. It's really normal to be nervous um, when you're giving these presentations and anyone who tells you otherwise is probably being untruthful or is in denial, who knows, um, or they're magical. Um, but, but generally, it's, it's really hard to do this. Oprah has given probably thousands of interviews in her career. And she once talked about how every person that she's ever interviewed, whether it's President Obama or Beyonce, after the interview, they would always come over to her and ask some form of, did I do okay? Right. And that's because even the most seasoned speaker, they want they want validation. They want to know that they did a good job. And so for me, finding your composure is really about find, finding a ritual that allows you to be focused and centered. And for me, like if I give a talk, I like to find a quiet place. Sometimes I make sure my mic is set up, you know, where I can just sit for a moment and go over my slides one last time and just be present and remember to focus on my purpose. Thank you so much. And I hope you enjoyed the talk. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure that you click subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or follow if you're listening on Spotify. And if you love the show, we also have a ton of other ways to stay involved with the engineering leadership community. To stay up to date and learn more about all of our upcoming events, our peer groups, and other programs that are going on, head to sfelc.com. That's sfelc.com. See you next time on the Engineering Leadership Podcast.